Welcome to episode 47 of the UK Sports Chat podcast. I'm Joe Williams and in today's episode I speak with Tim Lloyd. Tim is one of the founders of Always Aim High, a fantastic uh, events company that are based in North Wales. They organise events like the Snowdon Trail Marathon. Tim is a former Olympic skier. He's a full-time firefighter and we chat all about his journey and how he came to be putting on the wonderful events that they do at Always Aim High. If you've got any comments or questions, please ask them via our social media channels or you can email us on info at ukrunchat.co.uk. In the meantime, have a fantastic week and enjoy this chat with Tim. Welcome, Tim. How are you? I'm very well, thanks, Joe. Yeah, uh, how are you? Yeah, very good, thank you. Very good. It's Friday morning just for our our listeners. um, So whereabouts are you at the moment? Uh, well, I'm, we're over in North Wales, so um, we're actually based in Llangevney and Anglesey, but my, my home is actually in Snowdonia. I sort of, I was born, grew up, raised, educated, you know, the whole lot here in the, in the, in the heart of the Snowdonia National Park, and this is, this is home for me, and it's a beautiful place to, to live. And yeah, certainly is. So I'm, I'm, I'm in Shrewsbury, so we're not too far away, but um, spent many a holiday in North Wales and... Um, we we were in yeah we were in Abbasock recently actually and and um, my my fiance took my son into Snowdonia last week to go on the roller coaster there during the summer holidays. Yeah, yeah, I know where you are. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's so so yeah, we, we, it's a, we're very privileged to live in in such a lovely spot. And of course, you know that's why we do what we do. Snowdonia has become a really popular place to visit. You know, especially it seems to be you know during during the last sort of eighteen months or so where we haven't been able to travel so much mm-hmm. abroad we have seen you know a huge increase in, in numbers of people coming here and it's great to see you know we, we there's a very very warm welcome uh, yeah. in, in in north wales and it's uh, it's fantastic to see yeah cool so do you want to I've, I've given a little intro um at the beginning of the podcast but do you want to give us an introduction to you and uh, your background and and before we dig into always aim high yeah sure yeah i'll um I'll try to keep it reasonably brief. So, uh, I, as I say, I, I was sort of raised here in, in the, the heart of the Snowdonia National Park. I was actually raised up at Penna Pass at the youth hostel. My parents ran the youth hostel um, for many years at Penna Pass, which is literally halfway up Snowdon. And it was, it was, it was, it was an odd place to, to grow up in many ways, but also, you know, an incredible pr- privilege to grow up, grow up there and something which, uh, which is not, you know, something which, which many people, uh, are able to enjoy so so I grew up there and um actually that my sort of route into sport my, my dad was a mountaineer mm-hmm. uh, he was very heavily involved in mountain rescue he's he's been awarded you know through the queen's uh, um sort of uh he, he was awarded a british empire medal for his services to mountaineering and, and to, wow. to mountain rescue in the last couple of years uh, but he was one of the founders my dad was actually one of the founders of the Ruri harriers running club which was the first fell running club uh, in North Wales, so he, his name is Harvey Lloyd, uh, and he he founded a club with a couple of old friends, uh, which was Ken Jones. My dad was the, I think my dad was the treasurer, Ken Jones was the chairman, and David Ellis uh, was the, was the secretary, and the th- three of them formed the club. And of course, you know myself uh, and my brother, we we were just young children at the time. I was about six or seven years old, mm-hmm. and uh, and they formed the club, and and uh, and and. And on the back of that, my, my dad was involved uh, initially with with the organising of, of the of the Snowden race. In fact, he remains the president of the International Snowden Race. Uh, Ken was the main organiser. 
uh, and through the club. Yeah. Um, Ken was the main organizer of the first ever Snowden race. Uh, my dad was also involved with the organization of the first ever uh, Snowdonia Marathon. Uh, and of course, these races now are, you know, sort of, I think Snowden's probably in its 45th year by now. Um, my dad also, he, he was the organiser. This year, he stepped down from from organising the Welsh 1000 metre peaks race. He's done it for 50 years. Uh, and this was his 50th anniversary this year. So so he did stand down. We had a, a bit of a celebratory sort of meal to, to recognise that. So, uh, so uh, you know, so so sort of, I guess, you know, the sport was in my blood. I, I ran the first ever Snowden race when I was six years old. And back then, you know, it was, you know, Llanberis was my home school and mm-hmm. um, primary school. And, and, and at six years old, we, we, we had to run up to Halfway House, which is actually quite a long way uh, up yeah. Snowden for a six-year-old. And we were set off, you know, from, it was, I remember it, I remember it well. It was, we started outside the Midland Bank in Llanberis and ran all the way down the high street. Yeah. Uh, which which makes the race probably about two or three a couple of miles longer than it is these days um and and, and up onto snowden and and, and you know the, 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 the me and a couple of schoolmates you know ran all the way up to halfway house and, and all the way back again and i remember you know i'll never forget that you know running onto the field because it's carnival day in Llanberis. the snowden yes. race used to be a part of the, of the carnival yeah. and um and running onto that field you know with so many people lining the, the you know the finish line of the snowden race the first ever snowden race it, it literally was, was was it was was unforgettable and it's probably and so that sounds a little bit dramatic but, but probably a little bit life life changing for me as well because you know it's it's always stayed with me that and um mm-hmm. and actually you know i went on you know I, obviously I, I continued to run for you know i've run all my life mm-hmm. uh, mainly in fell running uh, that was that was the only sport that I'd done a bit of cross yeah. country and, and a bit of road as everybody does, but yeah. but fell running was that was the big thing for me and I you know I, I ran I, I won a few local races you know as I got older and and, and yeah. um, I was I was never a, a, a very good runner but I was I was I was a decent club runner that's probably mm-hmm. where I put myself. Yeah. Um, but my sport was ski racing and and, and down the road from Penna Pass is Plaza Brennan which is which was the uh, national mountain centre. And it, okay. it's been there for many years, Placer Brennan, and it's been a National Mountain Centre for many years. And they had a Placer Brennan, there was a dry ski slope. Okay. And uh, my parents took me down there when I was seven years old. Mm-hmm. And uh, and we we learned to ski, myself and my brother, and, and again, a, a few schoolmates all learned to ski there on the dry slope. And um, and there was a yeah. chap there at the time, his, uh, his name was Mike Keating, and he was he was one of the staff at Placer Brennan. And uh, he, was, he was a little bit of a rogue, but he was a really decent guy. And... Uh, and, and and he would um, as we got a little bit older, probably I was about I would have been nine or ten. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mike would take us away in one of the Placer Brennan minibuses at the weekend, and he'd take us to, to to a dry slope. There was there was a dry slope race series, and uh, and he would sort of he, he, he would help himself to one of the vans, you know, you know, in the early <laughs> hours of a Saturday morning, and he'd sort of pick us up, you know, at four a.m. and drive us down to Gloucester or to. Or to, yeah. to Pontypool, there's a slope in Pontypool, and and we do these dry slope races, and uh, and it was it was yeah. brilliant, you know. It's such a it, 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 not just not just the the, the fact that, that we were traveling to a, a, a young age to go and sort of compete yeah. in sport, mm-hmm. but it was it was the sort of it was the social the camaraderie that 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 we developed, and we and so we you know a club was created, the North Wales Ski Club was created, and it was based at Plaza Brennan, and 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 the club grew, and the numbers of, of members grew, and. Yeah, and we, you know, as young kids, absolutely thrived on on that environment of of being surrounded by sort of like minded people who who love doing who, yeah. who love doing sport and love doing the same thing. So, 
so that's what we did. And I, you know, one thing led to another. I, I you know, I, I was, I, I'd be, I, I, for, for one reason or other, I don't know why, but, but I just happened to be sort of reasonably good at skiing. I had, I had a little bit of, yeah. of, of natural talent, I guess. And, and I got mm-hmm. selected off the British skilled uh, children's ski team when I was probably about 13. Okay. And I traveled and that gave me the opportunity to travel overseas um, with some, with some sort of higher qualified coaches uh, and, and to mix with, people from you know from 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 all over the UK but and, and actually it was back then it was really interesting I, I was the son of you know a youth hostel warden in, in from Snowdonia you know we, we re- really weren't a, you know a wealthy family at all but I was and I was the only one on that team at the time right. who, who who was not public school educated and it was and I and it never even it never even dawned on me at the time you know we were all just there in it together traveling together doing stuff together and having a great time together. Mm. Yeah. yeah and so um and so so I progressed through the children's team into the junior team and ultimately you know I was selected into the British senior ski team uh, and I competed internationally for for three years on the senior team yeah um I did give up ski racing at 20 years old uh, and that was because I literally because I couldn't afford it. It was just it became it became so expensive. And this is all pre national lottery. I'm you know I'm 54 years old now. Yeah. And I've, you know so so this is this is before the the, the lottery existed. And yes, yeah, so when was when was this? Sorry, then. So when were you? Competing? This was back in, in the 80s. Yeah. So I this would have been mid 80s. Yeah. So where did, mid- where did you compete in your in your, in your skiing? Um, we competed. Uh, in Europe and the US, basically, yeah. um, we were based most of the time in France because, at the time, the British ski team was 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 um, was sponsored by a French ski resort, uh, French ski resort called Les Arts, which is uh, high up in the Alps. Yeah. So we spent we spent all of our training uh, in certainly in the winter in Les Arts. Mm-hmm. Uh, we would travel then. You know, in fact, there was a race, basically a race circuit that that we would we would follow. Uh, in the summer, we would travel to Tien and Val d'Isère uh, and, and train on the glaciers, uh, which is higher up. But there's there's year-round skiing in, in, in some of those high-up resorts in the Alps because you can yeah. ski on glaciers in the summer. So we train on the glaciers in the summer and we would uh, we would train in Lazare uh, from November onwards and, and then follow the race series. The race series basically ran from, from early December through to sort of early April, really late March, early April. Towards the end of the year, we would go over to the US and do... And, and race race in America, um, yeah. uh, and it wow. was brilliant. I mean, I, you know, it was yeah. again. It was a very privileged um, opportunity and upbringing. My parents made you know made quite significant sacrifices in order uh, to be able to, to to pay for it. I had to when I was home, um, mm-hmm. you know, for, for short periods in between training camps, I would have to work in order to try and raise as much yeah. money as I could in mm-hmm. order to pay for my ski racing. Um, yeah. But so it, it got to the like point where, sorry, I, I was just going to say it sounds like that being kind of growing up in that environment and and the, and your description of that race, you know, when you were six, um, put just just naturally put you into yeah. this into this um yeah. and, and and lifestyle of, of of competing and taking part in sport. Yeah, it really did, and actually, that you know, coming back to the Snowden race, that first ever Snowden race. I mean, I ran every the Snowden race every year for years and years. It, but but that first one is what, and, and you know, it, it sounds cliched, but it really isn't. You know, that is what st- stuck in my mind. It's so, so important. This is for for yeah. 
and and for now especially when there's for, for children there's all the distraction of iPads and Xboxes and Playstations yeah, yeah. If, if, this, if we can if we can just get the children who wouldn't usually put their hand up to take part in sport yeah. to do something like you described where they're actually in a, in an event and, yeah. and they have all that applause and they experience what you described, yeah. you know, how many more children could that influence at the, at the moment to, 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 to lead a healthier lifestyle? It's so important. Yeah. Yeah. It really is. It really is. And that's why, you know, you know the, 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 those thousands and thousands of volunteers who are out there, you know, in the, in the way, the, the rain and the cold you know during the winter months months in the dark volunteering at local clubs yeah. to get kids out and get involved you know it is so important and mm. you can't underestimate you know what a difference that you know, those people make to people's lives and i know mostly it goes unnoticed mm-hmm. but actually you know the, the experience that i had and you know come back to you know the, the things i experienced at that age mm-hmm. it really didn't go unnoticed and it's you know it stayed with me for, for my whole life and you know it ultimately it, it led led me to, to to a lifelong sort of love of sport in in many different in many different guises yeah uh, these days you know I organize events but that but you know that's only been in in recent years you know I've, mm-hmm. I've done all sorts of stuff I, I mean I, you know I'll continue letting you know with my sort of story yeah, about please, yeah well, when I, at 20 I had to give up ski racing it was it was because I just it was it became unaffordable I just couldn't do it so so what I did was I I went to Edinburgh and I I, I um I was I was successful in, in getting myself on a on a sports coaching diploma course up at, at Harriet Watt well it's Harriet Watt University now but back then it was um it was Moray House it was it was the old Dunfermline College it's it was a PE college up in Edinburgh and they did this okay. one it was the only um sports the full-time sports diploma a sports coaching diploma sorry that that you could do in the UK at the time uh, and, and and I attended that course with 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 six other uh, people, sort of like-minded people. D- Dave Morgan was with us. Dave Morgan is Britain's most successful weightlifter. He's, he's I'm still in touch. Still a good mate of mine. Uh, and uh, and we and we studied coaching full time for a year. Uh, and at the end of that year, I uh, I received a phone call from the British Ski Federation, as, as it was known back then. Yeah. Um, basically saying, would I like to rejoin the team, but on the coaching staff? And I was, you know, I was 21 years old. Wow. Uh, so, so it was, you know, it was, again, it was, it was a fantastic opportunity. And I, I, yeah. I snapped, snapped their hand off and said, yes, of course I would love to come back. It was, it was a little bit unusual because the first year I spent uh, with, with the men's technical team, like the slalom ski racers, and that's the yeah. team that I'd been on 12 months earlier. So I, was, uh, so I was but and I was an assistant coach so I didn't start you know as a as a as a, as a sort of lead head coach I was an assistant coach yeah I spent, I spent 12 months uh sort of learning my trade if you like with with the team mm-hmm. in a coaching capacity and at the end of that first, people who were in your who you were in the team with then or, or was yeah well team? I mean the people that the, the guys that you'll know about is Martin and Graham Bell they're the two who are most yeah. who are most well known Martin and Graham Bell were both speed racers, so they they raced downhill uh, and super G. And actually, when I was eighteen in super G in the in the discipline of super G, I was ranked third in the in in Britain behind behind Martin and Graham Bell. Um, so, but um, so, 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 so it was the same time. You know, Graham is a year older than, than me. Martin, I think, is probably two or three years older than me. Um, and yeah, so 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 and there was there was a team probably of about. Now, in total, I'd say about 12, 
12 men and probably slightly fewer, maybe 10, eight or 10 women on, on the, on different, we were, so, so, you know, we, we were on what was called the development team. Those guys, uh, Martin and Graham Bell were racing world cup. We never raced world cup, but we, we raced sort of, you know, the, the, the level down from that. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so it was. It was just I can't. I can't say enough how you know what an amazing experience it really was. Yes. Uh, and how you know it's looking back. I mean, at the time, again, you you take it all in stride, don't you? At that age, you know, you you know, I'd ski race from you know from an early age, and and I kind of worked my way up through the through the the governing body sort of structure through the teams, and yeah. so you kind of didn't really appreciate it at the time as much as as maybe i should have but looking back you know and the things that you learn from those experiences when you you know as, as, as you work your way through through your life it um yeah yeah, it, it, yeah, it's yeah. Of, most, of, of most people when we're young isn't it we don't yeah. probably don't yeah. Um, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. The, the, the things that we're doing and then appreciate yeah. them later in life so um so then i i've i've after 12 months of coaching with the men's team as, as, a, as an assistant coach, I, I was I was offered the opportunity to coach, to, 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 to be the lead coach of the women's development squad, which was like the sort of the, 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 the girls who were sort of progressing from the junior team through into the senior team. Yeah. So I took that job and I, and I did that job for two years, which culminated in the 1992 Olympics in Albertville, uh, which I attended right. as uh, coach of the women's team. Um, and at the end of the 92 season, uh, we were at the time the British ski team was sponsored by Drambuie. This is all still pre uh, pre national lottery. Yeah, uh, we were sponsored by Drambuie. The Drambuie sponsorship uh, dried up at the end of the, the, the that ninety two season, and we were all laid off. The coaching staff, the whole of the coaching staff for the team, were laid off. Um, and so I came home back home to North Wales. I was uh, I was engaged and married at the time, uh, and. I basically was 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 without work and I needed to find a job, so um, I, I I applied for a job in the newspaper to join uh, the what was back then the Gwynedd Fire Service to be, to become a firefighter, mm-hmm. um, and uh, I was successful. Uh, I took the job. I took the job in the, the first. I remember it. The first week of July, I got offered. I made. I got made a job offer. I I, I accepted the job. On the second week of July, I got a phone call. Uh, from the from the 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 chair of the British Ski Federation saying, "Great news! We've um, we, we've secured some funding for next year, and we'd like to give we'd like to offer you a promotion uh, with us. We want you to take on the men's technical team, you know, uh, but a higher a higher level than the, where I've been working with the women." And I had a real sort of deliberation: mm. what do I do? Because I knew this was a, this was a sort of turning point in my life. And and the thing that sort of swung it for me really at the time was you know that I was engaged to be married and I thought you know is that a life for somebody who wants to start a family and blah 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 and all the rest of it yeah so I, I made the decision actually to stay back in North Wales so I stayed okay. in North Wales I joined the fire service this is ninety two now mm-hmm. so I'm actually approaching the uh, retirement in the fire service I, I'll, I'll retire next year you're, and- you're still in now aren't you yeah yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm still a serving firefighter. I, I, I work at Deeside Fire Station now, which is outside Chester. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and so, so I've done nearly 30 years in fire service. Uh, and uh, but, but what I did do is I, I stayed on as a, as a coach to the British Children's Ski Team mm-hmm. uh, in, in, in a voluntary role. Um, yeah. So I continued to do that for quite a few years, probably for about five or six years. I would travel away with, with the kids, with the young kids. Yes. Uh, take them away and do like the, the sort of children's Olympics and that kind of thing, you know, that I did for a number of years. Yeah. Um, and 
And it was actually, it, it was it was all of this that ultimately led to where I am now because in about 99 or 98, 99, I got asked if I would help out. I'm a Welsh, I'm, I'm a fluent Welsh speaker. I was educated in yeah. Welsh in San Beverly's. Okay. And um, an S4C, the Welsh TV channel, they they were making a TV show where they were where they were following some Welsh athletes, a team of Welsh athletes, you know, around the world. Yes, competing in they'd they, they basically they they they'd got money to, to to take these athletes to these to these sort of exotic races around the world. Yeah, and um and the athletes that they had on their team weren't performing as well as they'd hoped. So being a being a, a fluent Welsh speaker and being a, you know somebody who was you know a, a coached. At the Olympic Games, and yes. you know, have a background in in, in coach, sports coaching. They said, "Would I come on board? You know, as part of this TV series, yeah. to 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 help the athletes to to try and see if we could increase you know their performance and, yeah. and, their, and their results, improve right. the results." So I did. I did that for for probably two or three years, uh, and actually achieved quite, so, some really good success. You know, we we went from sort of finishing in the you know at the, at the bottom of the leaderboard to, to, to getting on the podium it was yeah it was, it was brilliant that you know the, the results that we achieved mm-hmm. uh, just through a bit of sort of careful um at, you know a, a careful sort of planning uh, training scheduling you know uh, sort of yeah. focusing on on you know on on the, the weaknesses and and looking at what work those athletes needed to, to do because they had an athletic ability but they, but they lacked some technical skills so um yeah so it just it just took a little bit of structure, really. We, we you know we 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 worked on 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 those weaknesses, and, and we and we got to a point where they were they were finished on the podium at you know at, at really high high level uh, international yeah, races. Really. And this, this is summer stuff now. Nothing to do with skiing. This is all this is running, cycling, multi sport, uh, yeah. adventure racing, primarily uh, fell running, trail running stuff. I'd done all, you know my whole life anyway. Um, so, so it was brilliant, and and that actually led to uh, me taking on a job with Salomon uh, back in in the year two thousand. I was offered the uh, the job with Salomon as being their sort of their, their team manager and coach to the Saab Salomon Adventure Racing Team, okay. uh, which was which was uh, again another. I was still I was still working as firefighter. This so these, this is all just you know hobby kind of stuff now, but, yeah. but amazing as well. So I took the job on with Salomon, and I did that job for twelve years. And it, and in that role, uh, we won. You know, well, I, I so on that team, you, people, some people you'll know from fell running. So we had Rob Jeb was on the team. Rob won the World Sky Running Championship. We had Angela Mudge. Angela won the World Mountain Running Championship. Uh, Anna Frost. So I introduced Anna Frost to Salomon back in the day. This was even before Killian Jornay was was doing stuff. Really, Killian was a young kid, and I remember Killian well. Back then, mm-hmm. he was um, you know he was just sort of coming through. He was always an incredible athlete, but. He was, you know, he was a young young chap at back then. Um, uh, Tom, we had Tom Owens. I introduced Tom to Salomon. Ricky Lightfoot. I got Ricky involved with Salomon. Um, Ricky went on to win the World Ultra Trail Run Championships. Yeah. We won the World um, Adventure Racing Championships. Uh, Anna won the Commonwealth Games. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just, you know, it was, and you know, the, the, the success was was tremendous. Yeah. It was brilliant. We did it on on a relatively small budget, but you know these were super talented athletes. Yes, who were you know who were sort of fairly unknown, really, because the sport was fell running. It was adventure racing. It was not high profile sports, but uh, yeah. at the time, also, we, I I, um, I I got Andy Walling involved as as you know he became our team physio. Uh, Andy was a I don't know if you know Andy or not. He's a okay. Andy. 
Andy's been the lead physio at UK Athletics for the last few years on the with the endurance group. Okay. Um, so Andy Andy was was studying at Bangor University and he was a physiotherapist. He was he studied physiotherapy uh, in in Salford, in Salford and then he came over to Bangor to do post grad stuff and um, and he was he 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 was coaching young kids at the track in Bangor in Treborth. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so so uh, I got to know Andy really well. He was a really good mate of mine. In fact, two weeks ago, Andy Walling has become the top physio at Manchester United Football Club. Okay. <laughs> so he's uh you know he's probably at the very top of his game yes. uh, right now but but a lot of what he learned was probably with us on you know on those Saab Salomon trips we, we literally traveled all over the world it was worldwide was amazing yeah you, there was... you, you mentioned in there um channel four which funnily enough before while I was pairing I was thinking about when I when I first came across always aim high yeah. I can remember and I can't remember the year Tim but it, it must have been a good six maybe seven years ago i can remember getting up early one sunday morning with my with my two kids at the time when they've got you up at six o'clock in the morning and i was channel flicking and on channel four <laughs> i think it was the, i think it was the slate man triathlon and like the you know the kids want yeah. the cartoons on so i went and sat in the kitchen and put the kitchen tv on and watched <laughs> the slate man um and yeah. that was when I first came across Always Aim High. So, so where did where, where did you yeah, obviously you and I've been rambling on, haven't I, for a while? But cutting to the chase, I mean, that's where always I came from because, you know, I right through my sort of when I came back to North Wales after I'd finished my ski coaching and I and I settled down, I, I started to organise. You know, event organising was in my blood. Really, my dad had done it for years. Yes, I started yeah. to organise. I took on the Moylelio Fell race in Llanberis. It was just a local fell race. I, mm-hmm. I took on the organisation of that event, um, yeah. and I did that for probably I don't know, probably fifteen. 15 years, maybe more. Yeah. Um, and we, we, you know, we delivered a British championship there. We delivered, you know, the, the, the British Inter Relays championship. Um, it was great. And I, and again, you know, I sort of learned how to organise events, I guess, you know, from from, from grassroots level. Yes. Up. But uh, alongside that, I was travelling with the Saab Salomon team. We're going to all these incredible events all over the world. And what what struck me was how different the continental events were to the to the to the local British ones. Yeah. We were very traditional fell running, especially you know, and it still is. And you know, I take nothing away from that because the the traditional element and, and style of fell running is is unique and it is amazing. And and um, and you know, I really really love it. But you know what I what I saw from these events that I was doing with with the Saab Salomon team was. How an event can be like a you know a celebration, uh, you know like a, a festival style you know of yes. of, of of sport and so that's where the idea came from. And uh, a friend of mine who 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 worked and lived in Llanberis at the time, Phil Nelson, he it actually Slate Man was his idea. He said to, he said to me, knowing all the work that I was doing because he he'd done some work with us with, with Saab Salomon, said said you know what you need what we need in Llanberis is is a triathlon, he said, and, uh, you know, you could call it the slate man. Yeah. Uh, and of course, you know, that got me thinking, um, yeah, that would be amazing. So, so yeah. then, so probably a few months later, I was traveling, I was traveling on a, on a plane to go skiing in France with a, an old mate of mine, Kent, Nigel Kendrick, who'd, uh, Kenny, we call him. And Kenny was, he, he'd also been involved in, in ski racing, but he was, he was the performance director of the British disabled ski team. Yeah. And had been and had been at the Paralympics in uh, I think it was ninety six. He went uh, or probably or maybe ninety eight. Just yeah, uh, it was Turin that he went to. I think it might be ninety eight. 
Uh, anyway, so so I said to Kenny, you know, I've got this idea of of putting on the the, the Slate Man uh, and and another event. I'd, I'd said what I'd love to do is do three. I'd like to do a, a, a race series called the Slate Man, the Sandman, and the Snowman Triathlon. And I said what we could do is we could do one in Gwyn- in, in Gwynedd County, one on Anglesey, and one in Conway County, which is like Northwest Wales, which is where we live, covers all yeah. the Snowdonia basically. And, yeah. and and it was very much along the same line. I was thinking, well, let's try, let's have a go at doing it like a festival, you know. So we'll give it that continental feel. But Kenny and I were doing it. It was it was going to be just a hobby, something to do. Uh, Kenny was he'd actually been offered um, voluntary redundancy from his job. He was working for for the uh, for the environment agency. Okay. Uh, so we, so he said, yeah, I've got, I'll have time. He said, I'll have time on my hands because you know I've just, I'm just taking redundancy from work. So mm-hmm. so yeah, I'll be looking for something to do. So we said, all right, then let's do it. Let's give it a go. And that was in 2010. So we yeah. set up Always Him High in 2010. We yeah. delivered the first Slate Man in 2011. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in the first Slate Man, I'm trying to remember, I think I think we had something like 350 people yeah. in the first ever Slate Man. And, you know, I'd been putting on the Moylelio Fell race with like 80 people turning up. Yeah. So was how was, how, what was that like? And we were shocked. I mean, I was shocked. It was like, I did not expect to have 350 people turn up to, to, to a triathlon in Llanberis. And then that was it. This was in the May. And then in later in that year, in September, we, we delivered the Sandman Triathlon. In, and that's on, at Newborough Beach on Anglesey, which I don't know if you know about Newborough, but it's absolutely I, stunning. Where, where it's one of the most that's beautiful why I was in Abbotsford the there, really. it, And it's somewhere that I'd been. I used to be. where, Whereabouts yeah. is that? Tell me which we uh, went to the Abbotsford the yeah, it, Newbra's on the it's on the southwest corner of Anglesey, okay. and it's absolutely it's gorgeous. It's like a big forest park, yes. um, and so and so we delivered the same at Newbra, and we had a similar number of people turn up for the first ever Sandman. Yeah, and it was you know it just kind of blew us away really. Even though it doesn't sound a great deal now, three hundred and fifty people, but back then it was much more than what we than what we'd expected. So yeah. So we thought, blimey, you know, this has gone well. So, so we we so for the following year, we decided we'll add the we'll add the snowman, and we'll do the snowman at Plaza Brennan because Plaza Brennan, which is where obviously where I'd learned to ski all them years ago, Plaza Brennan yes. is in it's in Conway County, so it's not in Gwynedd or Angus, it's in Conway, and it mm-hmm. became the sort of the obvious choice. And actually, Plaza Brennan did have their own triathlon many many years ago, and I and I raced in it myself back in my yeah. ski racing days when I was young and fit. I uh, you know, I did that. I did that race just, you know, just because it was there and it was local. So, um, so that became the third race in our what we call now the our adventure triathlon championship. And, um, and the reason we call them adventure triathlons is because the run is it's an off road run element to the triathlon. So, so uh, it's, a, it's a lake swim or a sea swim as it is at, at the Sandman, uh, and then a, a bike, a road bike. But an off-road yeah. run, and the and the run at the, at the at snowman goes up and down Malshabad, so it's a proper fell run. Um, the Thamberis race, the snow, the yeah. man goes through the quarries. It's absolutely amazing that you know the, the landscape there is incredible, and yeah. uh, and the Nuba race, the Sam Sandman, that one runs through the, this this beautiful forest forest park around uh, around uh, Nuba. It's it's an area of outstanding natural beauty. So all yeah. three events, you know, we 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 very carefully chose the location. We wanted to showcase what I mean, basically the idea was we would put these events on to showcase North Wales and to try to to, to sort of sell North Wales to, yeah. you know, to, to 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 people from outside the area to yeah. bring those people in to support the local economy and to support local communities. That was yeah. the, the the core 
idea of, of always aim high and why you know why we would do what we wanted to do. Well, that, um, that was that was going to be one of my comments is that the, the yeah. amount of people that you've brought in that because um, we see that with this we organise the Shrewsbury Half Marathon, Tim, and we yeah. we see that you actually have people who come to the event and they yeah. they they bring their partner. And their their partner had such a lovely time because they didn't really appreciate, you know, what there was to see and do in the area. And then they end up coming back when the event isn't on. And then the kind of knock-on effect you probably had in, in, in the yeah, local yeah. area will be way beyond just the events, I'd imagine. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's it's incredible, isn't it? You know, we've we've invited, I'd say, probably or not invited, but welcomed, hun- well, certainly hundreds of thousands of people. Not only yeah. to North Wales now, we also deliver the Cardiff Triathlon. Uh, that's that's one of our our events. Yeah, um, and we've and we've raised. I think we've 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 done. I don't know the figures off the top of my head. Kenny Kenny's he's the he's the he's the he's the, he's the sort of figures man, but yeah. it's certainly it's well over fifty million pound that we've generated for for the local for local economies over the the ten years that we've been operating. That's incredible. Um, we've you know created lots and lots of jobs. We've created you know by now we have ten full time staff at Always Aim High. We've got uh, you know much more than that part time staff. We've got you know hundreds and hundreds of volunteers. We've spent. We've we've raised ourselves. We, we've raised about quarter of a million pound to, to, to local community projects. That, that's money that we have spent ourselves mm-hmm. through through you know through the events we've put in the events on. So we've written checks for well over a quarter of a million, and that's yeah. gone into back into local community projects. Yeah, so like, I don't know, like you could be like a gardening group or a local primary school or a, a sports club. We've, we've we've put lots of money back into sports clubs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is all on the back of of of, of the success of the events. Um, we do also own a, a social enterprise company now. So, so always in my has got two strands to it. We've got uh, one small business called Always in My Community Events, which is where we put all of our youth and children's activity through because that's a not for profit um, yeah. part of the sort of arm of the business. And we think it's only right that you know any of that sort of junior development, you know, sort of sort of kids kind of kind of events. Also, some of our uh, some of the smaller events. So we do that. We organise the Harlech Triathlon, for example, which is a not-for-profit event. Yeah. Uh, and any money that's raised by the Harlech Triathlon goes back into the Harlech community. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so we we do all that good stuff as well, uh, alongside you know the bigger events. So our biggest events now would be the Slateman Triathlon. Yeah. Next year we we expect to have about two thousand triathletes in that in Tamburi yeah. in in June. We do the Snowdonia Trail Marathon, which is probably we think it's probably still the biggest trail race in the UK. I don't know. Maybe some 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 of the parks in London might mm-hmm. might guess that. But this is a proper a real proper trail race yes. around a city park, and we have we have we have about three thousand people in our Snowdonia Trail Marathon now. Yeah, that's, you know that's at capacity. Uh, and then of course the Cardiff Triathlon, which um, which will attract again around about two thousand triathletes. But we've delivered the British Championship on a number of occasions now down in Cardiff. Uh, and it's going to be the British Championships again in 2022, which is very exciting. But it's a, a great venue, a brilliant location, and you know, fantastic routes that we've got down there. Yeah. Uh, for that. Tim, um, let me let me ask you a question about the Snowdonia Trail. Yeah, sure. So, this is my interest as a as a road race organizer. Yeah. What's it like organizing a race up Snowdon? Because yeah. the the variables just I mean, just yeah. with weather. What yeah. what's what's it like? It's, it, is, it's, it is really tough. You know, it's not it. the easiest events to put on without doubt are, are road races. You know, and that's taking nothing away from road race organizers. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we, we organize some road races, too. And uh, and we always look forward to road races because because it's almost like, you know, it's 
it, it, you know, it's, it's a sigh of relief to the team because because they are quite straightforward. Yeah, uh, the trail yeah. marathon. So we also do an we do an ultra distance uh, that the Snowdon Trail Marathon. So so we have to marshal around about thirty five miles, maybe just a little bit more than thirty five yeah. miles of off road trails. So we basically we 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 have to signpost it all because it's a trail race, so there's no there's no navigation involved. So we we have to signpost it all. Then we've got to, we've got to arrange the marshals. Where we go upon onto uh, onto higher ground, we employ um, mountain leaders to do our marshalling for us yep. because those guys are all mountain first aid qualified. Um, mm-hmm. We have to work with you know obviously you know all the all the the, the local stakeholders, but you know including mountain rescue teams. Uh, and that kind of stuff, you know. So yeah. it's a huge undertaking, and not only that, but we, we, are, uh, one of my proudest things, I think, is the fact is that we have always, since we first set off, had a very, very strict littering policy. It's one of my, it's one of my real big bugbears is people dropping litter. You know, having grown up where I did, and uh, yes. and 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 seen seen the things I've seen over the years. You know, right from the outset, we would disqualify people for dropping litter. So, yeah. so we take it very seriously, and uh, I'm, I, let's say I'm very proud of it. And some of the, so, uh, and that's led on to lots of other sort of. We believe that we're sort of market leading in it, with, with with a lot of environmental issues. Kenny's background with with the environmental environment agency has helped massively, uh, and so you know we've got all sorts of exciting things. We're doing coupless races uh, this year and and in 2022, all of our trail races completely coupless. You know, we do teas for trees. We st- we kicked that off long before anybody else did. You know where we where we we plant trees instead of you know for, for those people who choose to as opposed to having a free race t shirt, um, all sorts of things. But but the littering why why I'm why I'm talking about this is because for the trail marathon you can imagine thirty six miles of of trails on Snowdon, you know, unfortunately no matter how how strictly and, and seriously you take it, people people very sadly do drop litter, and so just the litter pick following that race is 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 a bit is a huge undertaking. You know, taking down all the signs at the end of the race is a huge undertaking. You know, liaising with all yes. the local communities, the farmers. You, you know, the number of landowners that we have to that we have to consult um, to put on thirty six miles of of trail racing across Snowdonia is a huge undertaking. So, yeah. in yeah. answer to your question, it, it's huge. brilliant, but it's it's very hard work. Yeah, it is. But we've you know we've we've learned how to do it. We have a good formula. We got an amazing team at Always Aim High. So you know, our staff. They're absolutely mm-hmm. brilliant, and that I mean, and, and that's what makes it all happen, isn't it? It's having that team of people, the yes. right people, that who you can trust, and and you know are gonna are gonna do a good job. Yeah, and, and it's uh, it's it's fantastic to hear you describing, you know, how you approach sustainability and yeah. you know, and your and your whole team's attitude towards that. It's, it's really it, great. It's it is really important. I mean, we we've never we've never had a single a plastic bottle at our races ever. I can say that, you know, from from when we first delivered a race in twenty eleven. Mm-hmm. You know, to now, you know, going into 2022, with, you know, that's what we're preparing for now. There has never yeah. been a single plastic water bottle at always in my race. Yeah. It, and it's, you know, there's probably not many race organisers could... No, there wouldn't be any, or wouldn't have thought. Maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe a couple of niche ultras, maybe. Yeah. 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 Well, so we're done that, and it's, you know, it's, it's something that, that rightfully, you know, we should be proud of. Yeah, definitely, definitely. How's the... It's, we've been working with you on your Conway event, haven't we? And, yeah. And yesterday, unfortunately, you've had to um, cancel that, and we mentioned it before we before we press record. Yeah, yeah. 
What, what's the tell? Give me your take on the last twelve to eighteen months. You know, and, yeah, and, okay. and Conway as well. How's it? Yeah, been? well, Conway. I mean, yeah. So Conway, we we did sadly we had to call the Conway Marathon off. So so the last in three, two weeks from now or two and a half weeks from now, we are supposed to be delivering Conway Marathon, and we put on a ten and a twenty mile race. Um, yeah. To to run, you know, you know, in conjunction with the marathon because. We thought, well, normally, you know, the Snowdonia Marathon, which is a really big popular race, it happens at the end of October. So we thought, well, we'll put in a twenty, a ten, and a twenty mile option because it would be a nice, you know, it would be a nice sort of pre-Snowdonia Marathon, yeah, um, um, test. Unfortunately, the Snowdonia Marathon this year has been cancelled, so so that's not even happening. So that, so those runners are not are not looking to do that. That you know that that run in pre- preparation for that. But also, September's has been become so busy; it's become so crowded. You know, we did the Anglesey half three weeks ago, yeah. uh, or two weeks ago. Anglesey half normally we we'd attract about three thousand runners, and we had we just about scraped a thousand. So I mean, that gives you an indication of of you know how how much the numbers are down. Because, yes, because September is. I mean, I think there's probably about ten events on that week uh, that weekend locally, with probably within about twenty five yeah. mile radius. So so the Common Marathon, unfortunately, we. We just weren't, you know. We've been through eighteen, the, the most difficult eighteen months that, that you know that any any business could go through. Yes. And you know, events is probably was probably hit harder than anyone, even hospitality. We think because we mm-hmm. were closed down completely. Yeah. So what we couldn't do, what we, unfortunately, what we're not able to do at this point in time, is to put an event on and and, and make a huge loss. Yes. Financially, because yeah. we just can't carry those losses because of what we've experienced over the last 18 months. Yeah. So, so that's why we've had to cancel the, the, the common marathon. I mean, there's, there's no, you know, there's no sort of no other reason. It was, it was purely because we hadn't achieved the numbers that we'd anticipated Yeah. in order to, right. to be able to pay, pay for the cost to deliver the event. It's as simple yeah. as that. And, and like you said, every event that can go ahead from the entire race calendar for the entire year is happening in September and October. It is, isn't it? It feels it like, is. doesn't it? Is, yeah so i mean we're just you know we've we've fallen sort of victims of that and i know we're not the only ones and it's it's tough and you know i suppose what i really should say is you know it is a huge thank you to the runners because yeah you know it's those guys who are going to you know those guys will share our disappointment you know we we don't want to cancel the race it's the last thing that we want to do mm-hmm. but you know you can't you can't thank those people enough for for being as you know understanding and you know and, and understanding that, that covid and the effects of covid are still not over you know i think we're going to be carrying you know the the, the damage you know that covid has has, has caused probably mm-hmm. for the next two or three years mm-hmm. there's a lot of people out there who still don't want to race you know we, we maintain a regular contact with with our with our customers and yeah. we know there's lots of people out there who are still not feeling confident enough mm-hmm. to go out and race in groups and you know with with, with large numbers of people and that's totally understandable. Yeah. So it's going to take us a while. It's going to take us a while to recover. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I'd, I've even seen, um, I forget which race it was. I think it was one of the ones near Oxford where they had to actually cancel. They did have the numbers, but they just didn't have the volunteers because, again, yeah. it's that same. It's the confidence. And, we, and we're reliant, aren't we, on the, the goodwill of volunteers. And they, and, and they just couldn't get enough to, to make it yeah. to make it viable. So there's there's lots of challenges. And like you say, still ahead. I mean, and, and, you know, that'll, that'll be why, you know, London next year has been sort of pushed back, you know, to the autumn because mm-hmm. you know, London, London Marathon needs to give itself the best opportunity to be successful and, you know, as as a as a, as a race organizer, I totally get it. Why you know why they've done that? 
yeah. it's the right thing to do because you know they, you know we all want the London Marathon to be here for you know for many many years, don't we? And it's so we we have to protect we have we have to protect those those sort of national sort of assets that we have yeah. on the race calendar. And yeah, so we've definitely. got to give them the best opportunity that we can. And and Conway Marathon, you know, it's only a small race, but it did. It's just fallen foul and fallen victim of of the current climate. And we're really sorry, but we, we literally had no choice. We can't take a loss a loss on these races because of right. the difficult position that we find ourselves in after, after think, COVID. Thankfully, I mean, all of our staff are still in work. We haven't had to lay any staff off, which is a great relief. Yes, um, I think people understand. You know, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. you know, at any possible yeah. point in our lives, people understand at the moment. I did yeah. notice you, uh, you. You've got an, an event just up the road from us next year, a new yeah. new one. So, that, so, so some of the work that we did during COVID was was to get out there and try and find new venues, new potential new yeah. race venues, and yeah. and you know, I probably would say that it always aim high. You know, it, triathlon is probably is, is is our sort of key activity. Uh, we've done so much work with the British Triathlon Federation um, for many years, and with Welsh Triathlon here in Wales. And so, you know, we've 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 delivered events outside of Wales before, and 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 Shropshire for us is, you know, it's local. It's um, yeah. it's just down the road, just over the border. And so we, you know, I, I started to to look around at what potential venues there might be. This is du- this is during the last eighteen months when when we were all locked down. Yeah. And uh, and Western Park. Is um, you know it's it's home to many events, but it's not sports events. It's a, you know the V Festival happens there. They have a historic rally festival there. It's yeah. it's an absolutely beautiful uh, place. You you'll know it being from yeah, from it's, 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 uh, it's gorgeous. So we went down. I went down. Did a site visit. Had a look around. You know they've got all the ingredients were there for for a for a fantastic sprint triathlon. So there's a beautiful sort of body of water that we can swim in. The roads around the park are gorgeous. There's like a deer park there, so you ride, you know, you ride your bike through this beautiful deer park, you know, past yeah. the main house there, and it's a beautiful, really smooth, fast, smooth tarmac for biking. It'll be closed roads, which is amazing. And then we've got this. We, we put on a 2.5k trail run loop, which takes you through these sort of beautiful hidden gardens at, at Western Park. It's it's really nice. If you want to come along, then then let me let me know, Joe. We'll uh, we'll invite you along. You can come and have a go yourself. Well, well, Tim, there's a funny story to that actually. I am, I I saw the event on your website and I and I and I clicked the link and I copied it and I WhatsApped it to my fiance Lucy. Yeah. I said, oh, yeah. look, we should we should have a go at this one just down the road. Yeah. Anyway, and I had I had um I had an angry emoji back to me on WhatsApp because it's on May <laughs> because it's on May the seventh and I hadn't checked the date. We're at, a, we're at a wedding that day, Tim. It's oh, dear. Our, our wedding. So I was in the doghouse. <laughs> okay, then. So maybe we'll let you off the stand. But, we'll, but next year. No, you can yeah, celebrate yeah. your anniversary, can't you, with us at Western Park? Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, wait, wait. So that's why Western Park is happening. It's, you know, it was, it, it fits our, you know, our USP always in high. It's a beautiful, you know, it, location is, is, is our number one sort of sort of um consideration when we're looking for, for events and and western park certainly ticks that box it, you know it is a beautiful location yeah and uh, and we're super excited for it really it's uh, it's it's it's, a, it's another great event that we'll add to our yeah to our calendar tim where where can where can our listeners you know give us your website address and all that good stuff so that people yeah. can go and have a look if at, at all your events and, and oh, yeah so always aim high is the is the website 
Yeah. Uh, it's very easy to navigate. It's nice, lots of nice pictures and, and stuff there for people to look at. Uh, we're on Facebook, on Twitter, and on Instagram. If you search "Always Aim High Events," or uh, I think I think on Twitter and Instagram we are at a a a h e. Yeah. A h events. I'm going to yep. get told off now by Emma, our our marketing <laughs> head of marketing, for not knowing what the uh, what the what the correct information is. But just search "Always Aim High." You'll find us there, and uh, yeah, and and that, all the information that you need is out there. Yeah, we'll share we'll share all your social links as well on the um. Right, on the show notes and um thanks we had a fantastic um competition with you last weekend it was really popular and um thanks for coming on the podcast it's been great well, to chat and um it's been a pleasure i hope i haven't rattled on too long thanks okay. show it's been great talking to you really interesting cheers tim thank you yeah thank you